Nehemiah chapter 4, I want to encourage you fathers today. The setting of this, Nehemiah is looking to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. And as he is doing that, he meets all kind of opposition. And as he meets the opposition, he sees the wreckage. He sees things in disrepair. And he realizes what is needed and necessary. And at this point, we'll begin reading in verse 13. Nehemiah 4 and verse 13. Therefore set I in order the lower places behind the wall and on the higher places. I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not, a, be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons, and your daughters, and your wives, and your houses. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> this morning, the thoughts in my heart are toward the fathers. Nehemiah saw the need for fathers in his generation. Uh, the, the walls around Jerusalem were broken down. Now, walls keep some things out, and they let some things in. They keep some things in. Wall is for protection and security. Uh, and all those things, and the wall had been torn down. Jerusalem and Judah had been taken captive. And after 70 years, the Lord saw fit to allow Nehemiah to have favor in the king's sight. Nehemiah was a king's cupbearer, and he let him go back, and he let him uh, rebuild the walls. And as he went back to rebuild the walls, he went out at night, he saw the wreckage, he saw that it was too much for one man to do. There is no one person can put all that back together. And so what he began to do was he prayed. Now that's a good thing to do. It's a good thing to begin by prayer. But he also had a purpose. What is your purpose, sir? What is your purpose in your home? Men, we need to stand and have a clear purpose and do it. Be faithful to the Lord. Be faithful to your family. Be faithful in this generation. Too many have sat down and they let others raise their children. They let others uh, call the shots. As a matter of fact, the majority of our churches in our land, uh, it's a shame to say, but men have sat down and for anything else to take place, the women tend to have to do it. That is not to be so, men. We are to stand. We are to stand for truth and right. We are to have the burden on our shoulders. Men, do you realize that the, the, the Lord made you to have broad shoulders so that you can bear burdens in the heat of the day. Women are not built for that. Women uh, will crumble underneath that pressure. Men, it is your responsibility. When God came into the garden, he didn't call for Eve, though she was the one that was deceived. He called for Adam to give an account. Sir, it's you and I as head of our household. It's our responsibility. Nehemiah saw the need for men, and we have a strong need for men today in our generation. Where are the men? We need you men, my age and younger. We need you to stand up for the Lord and for truth and right and say this is God's way. I will do the way that God said. I will not leave it to chance. This is my purpose. I was born to serve the Lord. 
Do you know why you're here this day? Because the Lord put you on his green earth and he's the one that's guided your path and your steps to this very day. He has a purpose for you. Don't sell yourself short. God's got a reason for you to be here. Be diligent about it. Be faithful. Bear the burden and the heat of the day. Because there is coming a day, Jesus said in John 9, there's coming a day when the night is coming and no man can work. You've been given a day and you must work while it is day. It is time for us as God's people. It's high time for us to rise out of sleep while it's called today. Put on the armor as children of light. It is this hour that we live in. We need men. We need dads. We need dads. Out of all the things that I could tell you in Nehemiah, I will tell you that what got the job done in their generation, if we was to read chapter 4 and go down through uh, chapter 4, you'd find in verse 6, they had a mind to work. If you don't have a mind to work, if you got a mind to mooch off of Uncle Sam and the government, you can forget God's blessing. God has a job for you to do, and you must put your hand to the work. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. Do it. You've got a job to do. Work. If a man doesn't work, he ought not eat, is what the Bible said. Do you know what God's welfare program was? You leave the corners of the field, and if you're hungry, God made provision, but you had to get out of your house and get to the field. That's God's welfare plan. He's got a plan for the orphan and the widow, but it wasn't for them to have it dropped on their door. It was for them to do what they could with what they had. Amen. That's God's plan, and God has a plan for you. The people had a mind to work. Second thing, you'll find that when the death threats came, there was a bunch of talk, and uh, it was to scare God's people away from doing what they were supposed to do as God ordained it. But when the talk uh, was in one ear and out the other, and the enemy saw that God's people were going to do what God said anyway, they resorted to death threats and saying, we're going to come and we're going to kill you while you're out there. And what the people did, not only did God's people have a mind to work, but it says that in verse 9, it said we made our prayer unto our God. They decided no matter what the threats are, they were told you're going to lose your family, you're going to lose your church, you're going to lose it all. All this is for naught. What they did is they hit their knees and they prayed. We live in a generation that has forgotten how to pray. How long has it been since you got on your face before God? Since your eyes were wet with tears for those that you love and you said, God, help us. We don't know what to do or where else to turn. Where are the men that will pray? They had a mind to work. They had a heart to pray, but then they said they set a watch against them day and night. And I want to ask you men, where are those who have a mind to work, a heart to pray, and an eye to watch? Too often we've forgotten how to watch what's going on and just hope it's going to turn out. It ain't going to turn out. God made you, sir, to be the leader of your home. you got to put your hands in there, and you got to stir the pot if there's anything to happen in our homes. It's going to start with you, men. 
It is your responsibility. It's mine and my house. It's yours at your house. And when we come together, what happens in our house will affect God's house. We have lost a whole generation because we are so lackadaisical. We want to sit down and let it just pan out. However it works, it just works and shrug your shoulders and say, well, it might have been different. Would it have been different if you had a heart to pray, an eye to watch, and a hand to work? Would it have been different? Sir, it's your job and mine. When they started this job, when they started working, there was a bunch of broken, burnt stones laying around. What are the broken, out of place, burnt by fire and trial? What are those stones for you? What are those stones in your home that's out of place that need picking up and daubed with mortar? Not untempered mortar, but God's way, by his word, daubing it with mortar and sitting it back in place and erecting a wall that will protect you and your family. What is out of place for you? What have you neglected? What have you done at your home? I'm asking me that this morning, not you, me as a dad, as a father. What is it that needs to be done around the house? Uh, we need to do what Nehemiah did. First off, he said he went around the city and he looked. It's about time we start looking again at what's around. You say, where is that? It's in verse 14. He says, and I looked and then I rose up. You can see what's going on around us, but there's more to it than just knowing and understanding. It's getting up. Hey, I've got a, a Bible a study for you to do. Why don't you take out your Bible and your Strong's Concordance and go home today and everywhere that, that, that word arose comes up, why don't you circle it? Because there comes a time where you can only take as much as you can take. You see the problem, you're well aware of it, you're well acquainted with it, you don't know what else to do, but there comes a time where you get up and you do something. Uh, you'll find times where it says that Abraham arose, Isaac arose, Jacob arose, Joseph arose. You'll find that Job, after he lost his family, he lost his finances, his fortune, he lost everything. He was worshiping in the ashes and he, it says, and then Job arose. There comes a time when you gotta get up from where you are and put your hand to it and do something. Let me ask you something men. Are we doing what we know to do? God blesses those who are full of good works. Do you remember in James? Here's what he says. This man shall be blessed in his deed. In his deed, not in his knowing, not in his looking, not in his purposing. In his deed, there comes a point when you have to do something. Do something for the glory of God. Men, we need you today at Calvary Baptist Church, and it'll start at home. He looked, he rose up, and he said to them, and this is what I want to encourage you men to do today. Look in verse 14. 
First off, Nehemiah told all of them, be not afraid of them. We live in a society that is dominated by fear. There's a lot of fears without and fears within. There are those on the outside that'll tell you it's going to be this way. You got to do it like this or it will never turn out. And then there are the fears within that say, what's going to happen? Is it going to go this way or that? I don't understand which way to turn. There are fears without, fears within. But Nehemiah said, don't be afraid of them. They have threatened with their words. They threatened by by saying they're going to show up on our doorstep. And then when they saw that that didn't work, the enemy, Tobiah and Sanballat said, then what we're going to do is we're going to infiltrate them from the inside out. And that's exactly what they did. And too often our discouragements come from within, underneath our own roof. Uh, that is the way that the devil operates. If he can't get to daddy, he'll get to mama. If he can't get to mama, he'll get to the children. That's the way the devil has done from the garden. He couldn't get to Adam, so he went to Eve. And then he went to Cain. And it's, it's just went like that all the way down through history. The devil's got it out for our homes. And if we don't have an eye to watch for that, and a heart to pray, and a, and a hand to work, we're going to lose what's remaining of our homes. Walls are broken down that need to be reconstructed, and it's going to start with a man who'll stand up and say, Here am I, Lord. The Lord is saying, Who can I send? And Isaiah said, Here am I. Send me. Is that you today, sir? Would you stand and raise your hand and say, I may not be much, but here I am, Lord. Choose me for your glory. Nehemiah told those men, be not afraid of them. They are full of threats. They are full of trying to make you so discouraged that you sit down and you don't get back up. But don't be afraid because the Lord your God is stronger than them. Remember the Lord promised no weapon formed against thee shall prosper. In Malachi, before the Old Testament's closed out, in Malachi chapter 4, here's what he says. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, for when I fall, then shall I rise. The Lord has got hope for you and for your home and your family. Stand up, sir, and take your rightful position. God made you as such. And he's looking for such to seek after him, to worship him, and to be a leader and a guide for the home and the family. Not only did he say, be not afraid, don't be afraid, but then he says, remember the Lord. That's a good thing to remember, is it not? Who is it that's on your side? Who's stronger than all the enemies that this world's got? I'll tell you who he is. It's the Lord of glory. David said, who is this king of glory? Open ye the gates and he'll come in. If he, is, if, if he has a concourse set, if you'll open the gate, he'll come in. They'll remember the church at Laodicea? He's on the outside knocking to get in, but Jesus said, if any man will open the door, I'll come in. Is that you today, sir? Would you go open the door to your house and say, Lord, come on in. Is that you today? 
Nehemiah said, remember the Lord. You say, that's Old Testament. It's New Testament too. Because Paul told Timothy, the last letter Paul ever wrote, 2 Timothy. Paul's about to lay down his neck on the chopping block. And he's encouraging Timothy. And here's what he says. Remember the Lord Jesus Christ. According to my gospel, he can save. He can save. That was the testimony of Paul from the beginning of his ministry. And the last words he said to Timothy was, Remember Jesus Christ. Will you remember him today, sir? Will you remember Jesus Christ in your home and in your family? Stand for him. Stand for what's right. We need that today. Lastly, the thing I'd encourage you to do is he says in verse 14, Be not afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible. The last thing he says, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Would you stand today, sir, and fight for them? If you don't stand and fight to protect them, who's going to? They are depending, your family is depending upon you. And I'm going to tell you how you'll fight. If I had time, I'd go back to Nehemiah chapter 3. They started building the gates first. But buddy, I'm going to tell you what, the Lord has blessed my soul in looking at those gates. The first one that was erected again, the first one repaired was the sheep gate. And if you'll study that, chapter 3, there are 10 gates mentioned there. If you go back to chapter 2, there's the other two and there's 12. That speaks of the new Jerusalem. There are 12 gates to that city. But in chapter 3, you'll notice that the first gate built was the sheep gate. That was a place for sacrifice. It's time we get back to a place of sacrifice in our home. What is most important? It's, a, it's the lamb that's slain. Uh, it's, it's the Lord Jesus Christ himself. That's what's most important. It's time to rally back around that gate and the stones that have fallen down. Pick them back up. Set them in place. And remember the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember the Lord. Fight for your family. Fight for them. They need you. If you was to study those gates, you'll find that the other nine gates mentioned after the sheep gate all have locks and bars, but the sheep gate does not have a lock or a bar on it. Do you know why? Because everybody in the family can get in. Everybody can get in. It ain't shut by day or by night because there's always a sacrifice. When you need forgiveness, you can get it. Whenever you need forgiveness, come on in. The sheep gate's open. And I'm going to tell you something. There was a man, uh, however old you are, however old you are, there was a man laying outside the sheep gate for 38 years. He didn't see the water being stirred. He waited on the angel. But Jesus showed up one day. And the man said, at the sheep gate, he said, I keep waiting, but I just can't seem to make it. And Jesus said, take up your bed and walk. Where did that happen? The sheep gate where there was no lock or no bar. You can get what you need from the Lord today if you'll get back to the sheep gate. Chapter 3 ends with the sheep gate. Do you know why? Because it began and it all ends with the Lamb of Glory. It's all about Him. 
All the gates in between speak of the Christian life and all those things. But it all centers around the sheep gate and the sacrifice for you and me. It's time then that we start gathering up the stones. Maybe this morning there's some stones that have fallen down in your home. It's time to pick them back up and set them in their place and say, this is the way we're going to have to do things. This is God's way. We're going to go this way. This is what God's going to bless. Because if you don't do it God's way, it's untempered mortar. And there's going to be a storm come causing those stones to crumble down again. It needs to be daubed with tempered mortar. It will be tempered by the word of God. You'll notice if you was to read in Nehemiah chapter 8, they gathered at one of the gates and that was the water gate. And guess what they did at the water gate? They listened to the word of God. They stood there for six hours while Ezra read it. And they wept when they heard the word of God. And they said, it's in such disrepair. What are we going to do? The city's in bad shape. Our homes, our families are in bad shape. Our children are speaking half the language of Ashdod. And they don't even know God's language. And Ezra and Nehemiah, they labored to get the next generation to understand how to speak God's tone in his language. It had all but gone away in Nehemiah's day. The children were growing up speaking the world's language. They knew nothing about God and his way. We live in that generation again. We have more resources than ever before, and we have less spiritual understanding than there's ever been. Daniel said in Daniel chapter 12, before the Messiah returns again, here's what he said. He said, knowledge shall be increased. We're living in a, a boom of knowledge. People know more uh, as far as facts go than ever before, but they know less of the Lord than has ever been. We are living in the day when, when knowledge is increased and men are running to and fro. Boy, people cannot keep uh, themselves from having to run here and there. We live in a busy, fast-paced generation. The Lord said that's the way it'd be before he returns. We're living in a generation that doesn't know much about the Lord. But if they are going to know anything, men, you and I are going to have to stand and teach them. I'm going to tell you where you learn to teach more than anywhere else. You teach it at home, not just in a public setting. There's a preacher that I met a couple weeks ago. Well, a couple months ago now. More time gets away. We were at a meeting in a camp meeting in Kentucky. There was a preacher from North Carolina I'd never met before, and he asked me to come by his room. He said, do you want a cup of, of uh, coffee? And I said, yes, sir, I'm going down to the lobby. He said, oh, no, that ain't coffee. He said, I brought my own pot. Come to my room. He kept his door propped open. I went in. He gave me some coffee. Boy, it's good coffee, too. Come to find out he's a coffee salesman, owns a distributing company. So it's good coffee. And uh, I was talking with him, and uh, we got acquainted. My wife and my mother-in-law, Miss Carol, was coming down the hall, and they saw me in there. He said, come in, get some coffee. And they come in. We were starting to run late. I didn't have a tie on. My goodness, we got to get to the meeting. So I, me and Michelle, we walked out the room, and, and Miss Carol said, Michelle, get back in here. Michelle turned around and went back in there. 
just, you know, not just trying to be in a hurry. That preacher told me later, he said, I'm going to tell you something. He said, I don't know your mother-in-law. He said, my wife ain't here with me. But he said, I'm going to tell you something. I appreciate that Sunday school lesson she taught within that amount of time. He said, it is never good for a man and a woman to be in the same place alone. Always be accountable. He said, I appreciate that Sunday school lesson. I don't know them, but he said, I appreciate that. And he said, there was a lesson taught there in my hotel room that morning. He said, I got no interest in her or her in me, but it's just the way, it's God's way. It's time we start teaching our children those things again. It's just right. Now, we'll say for the record, Michelle knows uh, and she said, I don't know what I was thinking. Just, I got to get to church. She said, I knew better. As soon as I heard my name, I knew. Just like that. She'd already been taught. She knew it. She did what was right. And that preacher said, I appreciate that. Men, it's time we teach our children at home again. Just watch right. This is how you pay your bills. This is how you go to work. This is how you lay apart for the Lord's day. This is how you set aside tithes and offerings. This is how you give yourself to the Lord. This is how you help one another. This is how you think on one another. This is how you show up at somebody's house unannounced and you just do something that you heard they need done. This is how you do it. Our children need to be taught that. They're living in a selfish generation. All that they know is about me. And I and my. But God has set it up to where it's not about me. It's about you. And if I love you, then I'll take... If I love the Lord, I'll love you. And if I love you, then I'll teach my children how to do the same thing. We need to get back to that, men. Don't be afraid in this generation. Remember the Lord and fight. I'll tell you where you can fight. You can fight on your knees, and you can fight with the Word of God. You realize that this is called the sword of the Lord, the sword of God, the sword of the Spirit? That's Ephesians 6 and verse 18. This is the sword of the Spirit. God's put a sword in your hand, and it'll protect you. It'll protect your family. It's time we fight again. We get back to the truths of God's Word. And we, here's, if you read Nehemiah 4, just a few more verses beyond what we looked at. Nehemiah said, every man, he worked with one hand and had his sword girded by his side. Here's what that means. He had a sword in one hand. He had a trowel in the other. There's a time to work. There's a time to fight, and I'm ready for both, and I want to protect my home and my family. I want to edify them. That's what building up means, is to edify. I want to build them up. I want to encourage them. Everything ain't just wrong. It's right to do what's right. It's wrong to do what's wrong. And then when right is done, that needs to be used for edifying. You did good. You did right. Let's keep going that way. And if it's wrong, calling it wrong and saying we don't need to do that. That's not good. That's wrong. That ain't God's way. We need to be like that. It's time we do that again, men. It's time we help our families. Will you fight for them? Will you fight for your home and family? Your family's dependent upon you. The enlistment lines are open. The sign's been posted. 
Will you stand? I've noticed over the past couple of weeks, every business has got a help wanted sign. People don't want to get back to work. They're looking for people to work in our generation and people don't want to. They just want it given to them. I'm going to tell you, when it comes to physical things, if you don't want to work for it, you ought not have it. And I'm going to tell you, with spiritual things, if you're not going to work for it, you're not going to have it. It's not in your working. Don't get me wrong. Faith without works is dead. If you're not going to do what you know to do, then you'll lose what you got. My question to you this morning is, are you doing what you know to do? I was telling Michelle this morning, I sure wish I could call Brother Tim and ask him some questions, but I'm going to tell you exactly what he would tell me. The same thing he told me a hundred times over. I'd ask him, what do I do with this, Dad? I don't understand this. This is what he'd say. When you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. He told me that over and again. I'm going to tell you, that keeps coming back to me. Are you doing what you know to do? You see, the Lord said that the blessed people are those that observe to do whatsoever the Lord thy God has commanded them. And God has given us commands as men to lead our homes, to love them and our families, to pray for them, to fight for them. And men, I'm asking you this morning, will you stand and fight? If you would, let's stand together.